Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Tuesday. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your weekend, spending time with your family, your friends, watching tennis along the way. There's a little bit of news that we can get into for news outside of the tennis world. And news in terms of outside of the tennis world, we can get into... Um, Machine Gun Kelly's recent news and uh, just how proud I am of him. Uh, we can also discuss Ethan Klein removing two Jordan Peterson interviews from his channel and just the censorship that he has uh, done under his uh, channel uh, because of it. We can also discuss Joe Rogan and uh, the fact that 270 doctors uh, signed a letter to Spotify to censor Rogan. And in terms of news within the tennis world, we can discuss Novak Djokovic visa being denied. And I can always have my weekly pick as well, which each each and every week I recommend a book, a piece of art, a film that I really enjoy that I think you guys will enjoy as well. But this week we will be discussing, uh, obviously, the Australian Open. And uh, the Australian Open has started. It is beginning. Uh, it's great to see. Uh, there was first round matches that occurred yesterday on Sunday. I'm filming this on a, on a Monday, so. But it was great to see the amount of matches that occurred yesterday, and it's just good to see that the that the tennis season is back in the swing of things, and uh, how the Grand Slams are now starting up uh, up again, and it's just great to see the amount of competition that exists right now, and uh, how there's going to be more and more in the next up and coming few days, uh, but. Rafa Nadal uh, played yesterday and beat Marcos Guerin 6-1, 6-4, 6-2 in straight sets. It's a first-round match, so it's not that big of a deal, but it's good to see Rafa Nadal back. And I'm really excited to see what's next for Rafa Nadal. I'm really excited to see how this season will play out for Rafa Nadal. I think it's great to uh, see one of the big three still be able to, to play great elusive tennis, elite tennis, and to really bring it to the court. Uh, each and every week and each and every time that he steps foot. So I think Rafa Nadal uh, had a really good match against Marcus Giron. Yes, there were some technical issues on Rafa Nadal's, um, on Rafa Nadal's side. Uh, his ball placement wasn't as great as it used, as it w- was you know a year ago. I mean, if you guys remember a year ago, his play at the Barcelona Open, I mean, that was just amazing. Uh, so, yeah, even though you know it's a first-round match, you shouldn't really put that much stock into it. There are parts of Rafa Nadal's game where it's like, okay, maybe he could have been playing a little bit better tennis, but overall it's still a win. And uh, I'm excited to see what's to do next for Rafa Nadal because, again, Rafa Nadal is playing in a major where he hasn't really had that much success in. You know, I mean, if you really think about his last win in the Australian Open, it was 2009. It's been 12 years since, 13 years since. So, I mean, it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to really win the final and to w- really get to that position uh, to be able to win the Grand Slam. But I think his pathway of winning the Grand Slam is a lot easier than, say, previous years. Obviously, he's getting there in age, but there is no Novak Djokovic. The field is basically just Daniil Medvedev and everyone else. I mean, obviously, you have the Sitspasses, the Zverevs, and while they still have a chance to win it, it's mostly going to be Medvedev. So I think his ability to win this Grand Slam is better than, say, what it used to be. And I think that's a good thing for Rafa Nadal. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily put in all my chips to the table for Rafa Nadal. I wouldn't do that. I'm not saying that. But don't be surprised if you see him 
down the stretch. You know, don't be surprised if you see him in the quarterfinals or even the semifinals. I honestly, I, I wouldn't put it past him to reach the semifinals. Now, who knows? I mean, I'm feeling I'm feeling this on a Monday, so by tomorrow you could see Rafa Nadal lose in the second round. So who knows? I mean, it's tennis; things fluctuate. Uh, not not everything is set in stone, but it's still interesting to see. You know, I, I think it's still one of those things where when you have you know one of the best to ever do it, such as Rafa Nadal, still be able to play and compete, uh, you, you can you can't help but really feel encouraged by it. You know. You can't help but really be impressed by it. So I think that's very good to see from Rafa Nadal. Uh, I think if we see more and more of this in the future, then who knows? We can see Rafa Nadal uh, even compete with Novak Djokovic, which which I know in in terms of Grand Slams, it, it may be difficult. But who knows? Maybe this year we can see Rafa Nadal versus Novak Djokovic matches more often than, say, last year. You know, last year was just the Italian Open final and the French Open semifinal. Who knows? Maybe this year it could be different. Uh, but yeah, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Rafa Nadal. You know, he is an individual that gets most of his success out of clay. And you know, while he's won multiple Wimbledon titles and while he's won multiple U.S. Open titles, uh, his success comes from clay. And if he's able to win this Australian Open, which I know is going to be very difficult, and I don't think that's going to happen for Rafa Nadal, but if he's able to win. Then, man, oh man, does that add to his career? Does it add to his legacy? And it, it would be great to see if he could find a, a find the ability to win. You know, I mean, it, it's not going to happen, uh, but don't be surprised if he just does go down the stretch and inevitably does be able to is able to reach the not only the quarterfinal, not only the semifinal, but maybe in the final as well. So who knows? Um, everything changed when Novak Djokovic uh, left this major everything changed i mean to act as if as if it didn't you're i mean you're telling yourself a lie i mean things really did take a turn some people say for the better i say for the worse uh not because these other players are bad i mean i'm not not saying that it's just because you know when you have such a big force in the game of tennis in the sport of tennis you know and you see that person not play for reasons outside of his own control I mean, it's just so sad, you know, it really is. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back into Rafa Nadal and Marcus Guerin, uh, I, I have no idea who Marcus Guerin is. I'm sure he's a good player. Uh, and I'm sure if he reaches the French Open, I mean, I'm sure he won the qualifiers or did well in the qualifiers, so that's the reason why he, he played against Rafa Nadal. But uh, if he's able to play in the French Open, and again, assuming that he's not f- facing Nadal, uh, he has a good chance to... Maybe just we had a sudden. Maybe I don't. I don't. I don't even want to say. I don't even want to say that. Uh, maybe a point in uh, a game in, or maybe three or four games in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, again, I, I don't know who Marcus Guerin is, but I, I'm sure he's a good, uh, good uh, tennis player. Uh, yeah, I, I hope so. I hope he's a good tennis player. Uh, otherwise, it'd been weird to just see like some like random person face off Nadal in Melbourne. It would have been very weird to see that. But um, yes, um, yeah, Rafa Nadal, Marcus Guerin. Uh, it was an okay match. I, I watched it. Um, I knew it was going to be Rafa Nadal from the get go. But uh, it's just interesting to see Rafa Nadal back to, back into the swing of things and to really do well. And um, I'm happy to see it. You know, I really am. And hopefully, we're able to see more of that in the future, especially in the next 
week or so. Uh, however long we have Rothman Nadal to play, I really want to see him do well uh, because he just means so much for the sport of tennis and uh, the influence that he has for the sport of tennis is undeniable. So yeah, that's just my uh, overall thoughts and opinions on uh, the Rafa Nadal Marcus Guerin match. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Rafa Nadal and who he's going to f- play next. So, all right, um, I'm a little bit ahead of schedule. So I mean, let, let me just talk about the Novak Djokovic thing again. I released a video on my podcast Clips channel. So if you haven't checked it out already, go check it out. Go see it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean. I mean, what can I say that already hasn't been said? I mean, it's just wrong. I, I mean, I saw, you know, obviously his. If you guys, if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, Novak Djokovic visa uh, appeal has been denied, and as a result, he's been deported from the country, and he, he won't be able to come to the country for the next three years. Now, obviously, things can change. Uh, they can have testimony and hearings about it, but as of this moment in time, he's not able to come back to Australia for the next three years, and um, yeah, it just stinks, man. It really does. You know, the fact that we're treating people differently just because they didn't take the vaccine is idiotic and a stupid decision, you know, quite frankly. I mean, you know, when you think of Novak Djokovic, he got COVID last month. You know, now obviously we can debate as to whether he should have talked to children after getting tested positive. You know, we should debate and discuss as to whether or not he, he should have went outside of his home and talked to people and went to different countries. You know, obviously that's not right. If he tested positive for COVID, just stay kaput. You know, it's just best if you just stay in your home. But at the same time, he has natural immunity. You know, he is a person that takes care of himself by having a diet, by taking care of his health. So to treat somebody differently just because they didn't take the vaccine, I don't think that's the right thing to do. You know, I've been saying this over and over again for the past week or so. Uh, with my discussion on Novak Djokovic and his vaccine eligibility. But we should not be treating people differently just because they didn't take a vaccine, just because they didn't let a pharmaceutical product enter their bloodstream. I mean, hopefully we have more nuance than that. You know, hopefully our views on in this world are not as myopic as that. So, I mean, that's just my overall... I just think it's so dumb because, you know, Novak Djokovic... You know, it's, I mean, obviously people say he's anti-vax and, you know, we, I don't know if he's anti-vax. He might be, who knows, who cares? I mean, in my opinion, it truly doesn't matter if he's anti-vax or not. What really matters is if he's healthy, if he's not prone to getting COVID, it's tennis. So one person is on one side of the court. The other person is on the other side of the court. There's no sort of mingling between these two players unless they handshake at the end. It's not like they're going to get COVID by playing tennis. You know, tennis is a very different sport compared to basketball, compared to football. I mean, there is a six feet distance between the two of them. So where is this coming from? You know, where is this coming from when it, when, when people are, are, you know, saying that, oh, Novak Djokovic is is a, you know, is somehow more likely to get COVID just because he didn't take the vaccine. You know, not only is tennis a six foot distant sport, but also, you can still get COVID despite getting the vaccine, right? Like, I've known so many people who have gotten COVID after not only getting the vaccine twice, but also getting the booster. So what does that say about the vaccine then if people are still getting COVID, right? It's not a vaccine if that's... Because a vaccine means you're totally not going to get it, right? Like, if you take the measles vaccine, 
you're not going to get measles. If you get the chickenpox vaccine, you're not going to get chickenpox. If you get the tetanus shots, probably you're not going to get tetanus or whatever is the reason behind getting a tetanus shot is. You know, if you get the mumps vaccine, you're you're not going to get mumps. For, with this, you're still going to get COVID despite taking the vaccine. So it's not much of a vaccine. Now, I'll be honest with you. I did take the vaccine. You know, I did take my two shots. I took my booster. You know, I'm not going to be the spokesperson for Big Pharma. So if you guys want to take the vaccine, that's completely up to you. It's your body, your choice. I took it because I didn't want to be blamed if my parents died for some reason. Like if my parents decided to die for, because of COVID, I didn't want to be the reason for doing that. I just want to be like, okay, I did my part. I did everything that you told, guys told me to do. That's all I really care about at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, just because somebody didn't take the vaccine doesn't mean we have to treat them any differently, you know, or treat them less of a human being. You know, there has to be some form of compassion, some form of care. And to put them in an immigration detention center or to put them in these detention center hotels where they're not being treated ad adequately or they're not given the best benefits or the best health or given the best food. I mean, and you're treating them as if they're in in inhumane or treating them as if they're as if they're prisoners or if they committed a crime or a felony. I mean, that's just wrong to do. You know, and when I see, you know, Australia do this it really it gives me fear that you know america still has the ability to do this as well which i don't think helps out anybody in the long run so again i i just think th this whole debacle just screamed political expediency and to help out those in power and to get people to reelect those in power because they see this culture war topic they see this Novak Djokovic issue and they're like okay we'll make an example out of him so that we can get votes in the ballot which is not the right way to view things you should be viewing things based off the information that's given to you and right now Novak Djokovic while he didn't take the vaccine doesn't mean that you have to treat him any less of a human being compared to those who have taken the vaccine you know I mean and when I see Kyrgios defend Djokovic, when I see individuals on the circuit defend Djokovic, I think I'll say Andy Murray defend Djokovic. Uh, it gives me uh, the right sort of belief that, okay, they're, they're at least doing it. They're at least trying to help out. You know, at least they're trying to understand what is currently happening, and, and they're just giving the, the opinion that they feel is right at the time, and, and I'm happy for them. You know, when I see Kyrgios defend Djokovic, when I see Andy Murray defend Djokovic, it gives you uh, the right belief that, okay, like, at least I'm not alone in this boat, you know, because it's very difficult to have an opinion that you know is very different from the rest. You know, my original opinion on all this was, hey, you know, I think Novak Djokovic should get the vaccine because I think it'll prove the doubters wrong, the naysayers wrong. Well, I'm against vaccine mandates and and vaccine passports. I do think that Novak Djokovic should take the vaccine just to prove the naysayers wrong and to really focus on winning. And that was my original opinion. But after seeing what just transpired in the past month or so, I'm not on that boat of being with of being with the Australian government. I, I just can't. I can't support them at all. I, I mean, I just can't. It's just wrong to see. It's just wrong to see the amount of people that are just so gung-ho about the vaccine. And that's fine if you're, you're in support of the vaccine. But to think that you have any right to to mandate a vaccine that we all know is not, you know, as performative as they, allow, as they thought it would be 
five, six months ago. I mean, five, six months ago, they were saying that if you get the vaccine, you're fully immune from getting the virus. Now they're saying that if you get the vaccine, your chances of dying from, from COVID are less likely. What is this? I mean, didn't they tell us that you were less likely to, get, to die from COVID if you were young? If you are a person that doesn't have any comorbidities or pre-existing illnesses that may exacerbate the risk of getting COVID? So again, like this whole messaging has been muddled and people in power have really not done their best in terms of educating people on this vaccine, in terms of allowing people to question this vaccine, in terms of allowing people to have their doubts on the vaccine. I mean, I, I saw so many articles from NPR saying and from other article of other news organizations as well, where they're like, women tend to get tend to have uh, messed up menstrual cycles after taking the vaccine. And it's a good thing. That's their quote, by the way. That's not me like butchering it. That's like pretty much word for word what they said. They said women uh, tend to have messed up menstrual cycles after taking the vaccine. And that's a good thing. They had the goal to put that as their title, as the title of their article. And there's so many other, like, like I, I saw like articles of, of people having like messed up I don't know if it's like blood clots or whatnot. I don't want to put that misinformation out there. But I, I have seen articles where like they'll sort of disparage people uh, for taking the vaccine and for getting illnesses and whatnot. And then they'll follow it up by saying, and that's a good thing. There have been so many articles where they say people have had adverse reactions to the vaccine. And then they follow it up by saying, and that's a good thing. Like so many articles like with that title and maybe they're doing it for search engine optimization who knows maybe they're just doing it for seos but that's not a good thing i mean that's not a maybe they're just getting people to hate click on it like myself who knows but that's not a good thing when that's happening and you're saying in support of it so again it's just like there's so many things that that people like people who are generally pro-vax are still dealing with the symptoms of it. I mean, I saw Jimmy Dore after uh, he took the the two shots. He, he was he was feeling sort of nauseous and not feeling well. Hopefully he's feeling better. But I saw him on Rogan discuss it, how he's not feeling better as a result of it. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, you can't just let this go unnoticed. I mean, you have to at least discuss it and talk about it and, and get people to, uh, to really sort of discuss it and, and let people... Uh, share their experiences with the vaccine and whatnot. I mean, I know I'm, I'm getting too far away from the topic of Novak Djokovic, but I really do believe in that. You know, I think we shouldn't have individuals, you know, just, just you know, be dogmatic and just following the vaccine and, and really sort of question it. And, and just because we question it, it doesn't mean that we're anti-vax. It just means that we want to be better aware as to what's currently happening and how it's currently affecting people you know so um i mean that's just my overall opinion on all of this I, I think it's wrong to mandate a vaccine that we all know isn't as effective as we once thought it would be and it's fine if you're pro-vax you know it's fine if you're pro pfizer vaccine or pro moderna vaccine it's completely fine if you really believe in that if you think that this vaccine actually does help then that's completely fine you know you're you're open to that belief you're open to accept that belief you know i mean that's that's fine to have but i mean let's not get around here i mean 
the vaccines were promised to be effective 100% of the time. And they said that if you got the vaccine, that you would be fully immune from getting the virus. Now, that's not the case. So, I mean, now people may say that it definitely does lessen the severity, which fine. But I think having a balanced diet, focusing on your health, not having any comorbidities, having natural immunity, you know, I know people like to say monoclonal antibodies and ivermectin. I haven't taken ivermectin. I don't know if ivermectin is really that effective. Uh, by the looks of things, it doesn't really look that effective. I remember I said in a podcast clip that I said ivermectin is effective. Uh, I don't think so anymore. Uh, but again, people are finding alternative treatments, and that's completely fine. You know, I mean, as long as people have natural immunity, that's what should matter. You know, as long as people are healthy and are active and you know, are completely fine with, you know, working out each and every day and, and putting the right food in their body. I mean, I think that's what matters at the end of the day. And that's what jo Novak Djokovic has. He has natural immunity and he has a gluten-free diet and he's active and healthy. What can, what more could you ask for from him? So again, that's just my overall thoughts and opinions on the Novak Djokovic debacle saga, what have you. I released a clip on my podcast channel, so go uh, watch that. Um, got some views, not so much, but, um, go watch it if you haven't already. And, um, uh, just some things to promote, go see my stand-up clip on my channel, my podcast channel coming out as white trash. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. You guys enjoy it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just wanted to, uh, put that out there and, uh, see if you guys will, will enjoy it as well. Uh, all right. So let's get into, um, our next bit of discussion here. Uh, this is from the Hill. So doctors call out Spotify over false, and uh, I'm just just letting this come out. So basically, 270 doctors sent an open letter to Spotify to censor Joe Rogan, and I'm just getting this from the Hill. Doctors call out Spotify over false and societal, societally harmful assertions on Joe Rogan's show. That's the title of the article, and uh, I'm just pulling this up from the article itself, uh, where they state. And I'm just pulling this up. A coalition of doctors in science educators is calling for Spotify to take action against misinformation spread on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And it says, and I quote, by allowing the propagation of false and societally harmful assertions, Spotify is enabling its host and media to damage public trust in science, scientific research and sow doubt in the credibility of data-driven guidance offered by medical professionals and open letters signed by 270 healthcare professionals stated. Rogan 53 has an estimated 11 million listeners and immense influence according to the letter, which was reported by Rolling Stone. Epidemiologist Katrina Wallace, who signed the letter, told the magazine that she views Rogan as a menace to public health and that his ideas are fringe and not backed in science. Wallace added that having Rogan and his guest on a huge platform makes it seem there are two sides to the issue and there are really not. The overwhelming evidence is that the vaccine works and it is safe. All right, so I read this uh, article and obviously my opinion was like, all right, these are doctors, they must be truthful, they must be honest. And then I'm like, oh no, they're under the thumb of Big Pharma, so probably not. And then I read into it and most of these doctors aren't even doctors. I mean, they're doctors, but they're not like medical doctors. They're not people that like went through four years of undergrad, four years of med school, went through residency, and now are anesthesiologists or, or gastroenterologists or general care physicians. That's not the case. It's like doctors that like just spent eight years in academia. <laughs> no, those are the 270 healthcare professionals. It's not 
like i'm sure there are a few doctors you know on the in the list but the overwhelming majority of them are people that just spent eight years in academia so uh, why why is this why is it telling people why is this article telling people that it's 270 healthcare professionals when it's not it's it's not doctors it's just random people that spent eight years lighting their money on fire and having over an exorbitant amount of money that they have to pay back in student loans that's all it is um so and when i read that when i read the headline i'm like okay that's that's kind of bad but then you realize that it's mostly people that are not within the healthcare world and they're like okay i get it and you know i i think first off you should never censor people i mean i really want to get that out of the way the fact that 270 people signed an open letter to censor joe rogan on spotify is hilarious because first and foremost censorship is idiotic right if you really want to beat people on their ideas educate them right all these 270 healthcare professionals if you really want people to take the vaccine spread a psa tell people to take the vaccine go on people's platforms and take tell people to take the vaccine you know if you really think the vaccine works then go on people's platforms and really spread it from word of mouth that this pfizer vaccine or this moderna vaccine does effectively work now i wouldn't do that if i were you because I mean, they were profit. They were marketed as saying that if you take the vaccine, you're fully immune from getting the virus. That's not the case anymore. I mean, you can still get the virus after getting your booster shot. But I mean, if you really believe the vaccine works, go on people's platforms and say it. You know, the idea that censorship is beneficial for anybody is wrong. Because if sense, if if you are in favor of people getting censored, then chances are it could happen to you as well. You know, sometimes you could have an opinion that deviates from the status quo, from the majority, and as a result, your opinion, your belief in that thing will get shunned, will get silenced. So to all these healthcare professionals that are in support of Joe Rogan being censored and want Joe Rogan to be censored on Spotify, you're setting yourself up on a negative alleyway, on a dark alleyway, because it's going to affect you somehow, some way. Censorship is a double-edged sword, and it's going to affect you some way shape or form so again that's just my overall thoughts and opinions on all this because it is dumb i mean and what joe rogan says in terms of alternative treatments i mean he's right on the monoclonal antibodies no again i I say this again i say this you know just like five ten minutes ago but i truly don't know if ivermectin is effective but if it's effective for you hey that's fine that's completely fine you know and also we should discuss natural immunity and how this virus affects the the people that are older and that are uh, people that have been affected by comorbidities and people that are obese and overweight this virus takes out them way more than say those who uh, are young and healthy and active so and this is something that you know doctors while they may understand this information don't spread you know if you really want people to be healthy not only just recommend the vaccine but recommend having a healthy diet you know, recommend people to, you know, focus on, on their intake, their caloric, their caloric intake, you know, and focusing on other things that may help decrease the risk of getting COVID. You know, again, that's just like a few thoughts and opinions that I have on this is that, that for the 270 doctors that signed a letter to censor Rogan, maybe go on other people's platforms, you know, maybe go on platforms that, you know, maybe are sort of hesitant to take the vaccine and spread the word of the vaccine for them. Maybe that's a better way of going about things than just actively pro being in favor of censorship. 
you know, because as we all know, censorship can affect anybody, if not everybody, that doesn't have the same type of think, of groupthink that these big tech firms have. You know, if you have an opinion that deviates from the opinion of YouTube or, or Meta or Twitter, there's a good chance you'll be censored. You know, there's a good chance that you will be shunned and that your your videos will be throttled in the search results. So, I mean, that's just my overall thoughts and opinions on all this. Hopefully, you know, the Spotify won't censor Rogan. I mean, he's too much of a cash cow to censor him. But again, like this idea to censor people needs to stop. And that comes from such a beta mentality and from a mentality that doesn't really speak truth. You know, a, a mentality that doesn't really want to assess the arguments head on and really fight with their arguments you know it comes from a mentality where people are just prone to just being in that mentality of just wanting to get their word out there and not listen to anybody else which isn't a good way of going about things especially when you discuss people's health and their response and reaction to COVID as well so again that's just hopefully you know this this will be water on the bridge and this new story will be gone in a minute or so in like two or three days but I saw this over the weekend and I just couldn't help but at least discuss it because these doctors are the proof of just being isolated within that college bubble because all these doctors, all these healthcare professionals aren't even really doctors. They're just doctors within the academia world, which is just bizarre to see. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, honestly, it's sad, but, you know, it's sad to see this, but it is what it is you know it, it's it is what it is i mean it's spotify it's it's i mean obviously spotify has been good to rogan and rogan says this on his podcast but still you know um just very i mean how can anybody really support big farm in this situation you know i i know people are generally pro-vax but to be in like that so much gung-ho with big pharma I mean, and to see leftists be in support of vaccine mandates and passports, I'm like, aren't you supposed to be against government tyranny? Aren't you supposed to be the first one to call out fascism? This is fascist. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, Let me get into the next bit of discussion here. Ethan Klein decided to drop two Jordan Peterson interviews on his podcast. And when I say drop, I don't mean like release or publish. I mean actively privatize the video. So he decided to no longer have two Jordan Peterson interviews on his podcast. This is just from his Twitter account. Um, Years ago, I interviewed Jordan Peterson before I was very familiar with his politics. He was an interesting guest who I enjoyed sitting with. But especially now, I can see he's a dangerous gateway to alt-right, transphobia, and COVID misinformation. I removed both interviews today. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, so this is what happened. And overall, I think this is dumb. Uh, it's just, I just think it's, it's bad to, to censor, to self-censor. I think it's bad to not be able to sit eye to eye with somebody that you disagree with and not have a conversation with them. And, you know, I saw those interviews like a few years ago and I actually kind of liked it. So it, it, it is kind of a bummer to not see those interviews anymore. Having said all that, um, and I, I think Ethan Klon is in the wrong. And I think this is such a pussy way of viewing things. I, I really do. Because, you know, just because you have a conversation with somebody that you disagree with doesn't mean that you confirm everything that they say. 
you know, I mean, there are times where people will sit with other individuals. I mean, Rogan, um, you know, Tim Dillon that they'll have conversations with. I mean, with Tim Dillon, it's usually like Candace Owens or Barry Weiss, and he'll have conversations with them, and he'll disagree with what they say, but he still has a nice, pleasant conversation with them. And just because he has a conversation with them doesn't mean it's a confirmation on what they say. So I, I think people have to have that mentality when it comes to, you know, just censorship in general and, and self-censorship, you know. I mean, did anybody look at this and say, wow, Ethan, you're such a great dude for, 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 for you know, privatizing these videos. Wow, you're such an amazing person. Did anybody say that? And why would they? You know, because at the end of the day, what matters is being able to have honest coherent conversations with people that you may or may not agree with or align with. And that's what's important is being able to look across the aisle and say, okay, I may disagree with you, but I'm still going to have a conversation with you. And I'm still going to have a discussion with you. And while we may have our disagreements, we can still be friends and we, just, we can still have a nice, pleasant discussion about things that are pertaining to our political world or things outside of our political world. You know, and, and more importantly, Jordan Peterson is not all right. He's not all right. And also, he's pretty much in favor of the vaccine. What he is against is vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. So is that COVID misinformation? Is being against vaccine mandates and vaccine passports all of a sudden count as being COVID misinformation? I mean, what what's so wrong about it? And again, like if you're if you think Jordan Peterson is problematic, why? He just tells people he tells men to clean their room. How how is that problematic at, at all i mean it's not at, i mean jordan peterson it seems like a pretty i mean based off i mean i'm not the biggest jordan peterson fan i don't i'm not a big fan of like anybody to be honest with you or philosophers or anybody like that but jordan peterson he seems like a pretty nice dude like a person that tells people to clean their room to get it together to be able to talk with their family and their friends and and to focus on building and strengthening relationships that seems like a pretty chill dude, in my opinion. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Ethan Klein. I, I used to like H3H3. I, I actually loved H3H3. Like, back in high school, I loved watching him. I loved watching their channel. I thought it was funny. I mean, it was it was a relic of their time. But to see this fall from grace from H3H3, I, I think it's kind of sad, honestly. It really is. Because, I mean, to, to think that Jordan Peterson somehow represents misinformation and being all right, I, I think that is inherently dumb. And honestly, I, I don't really expect that much from Ethan Klein anymore. I mean, when I saw him do that show with Hassan Piker, I'm like, okay, this is like this is like a nail in the coffin for him and for his channel. So, I mean, that's just my overall thoughts and opinions on Ethan Klein removing two Jordan Peterson interviews. I think it's dumb. And more importantly, I think it doesn't really showcase... Uh, the importance of having discussions and conversations with people that you may disagree with. And I think in today's time, I think it's very important to have conversations with people from all across the spectrum and to really focus on just being able to find the commonality, commonalities with everyone, to, to, regardless of their political affiliation, where they align with uh, on anything for that matter. So yeah, that's that's just my uh, overall uh, opinion on the uh, Ethan Klein, Jordan Peterson kind of debacle situation, if you will. But yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, Jordan Peterson, I mean, you see his videos with Ben Shapiro and 
you see his videos with Rogan and you're like, okay, maybe not so much with Rogan, but you know, you see him with Ben Shapiro, you see him discuss things and it's like, like, I know people will say like, oh, that means he must be on the right. It's like, no, he's just a person that, you know, isn't, is not in favor of trans bathrooms, you know, of trans people in, in the wrong bathroom. I don't think he's ever said that he's anti-trans people. I just think he's against trans people in bathrooms, which whatever. Have, it's it's fine to have those inclinations. But uh, if there's one thing that I will say that I'm not that big of a fan of Jordan Peterson, it's just like the insistence and the, incess- and the incessant uh, opposition to that of trans bathrooms. It's like, okay, you can be against it, but like to spend like your entire career just actively like lambasting it, it's like so idiotic to me. Because don't we all share a bathroom with a woman? Like, if you're married and you have one bathroom, you share a bathroom with that woman. If you're in a family and you have one bathroom or multiple bathrooms, you still share a bathroom with your mother or with your sister. You know, if you're, if you're a woman and you're in a family, you share a bathroom with your brother or with your dad. You know, it's... I don't know where it is. And, you know, when I see... You know, people that are actively going after trans bathrooms is like, aren't you guys supposed to be smart? You know, like when you obviously Tim Dillon mentions this with Eric Weinstein and like all these people in academia, not academia, but like the Weinsteins and the people from the IDW where they just incessantly go after trans bathrooms. It's like, aren't you guys supposed to be smart and like building the foundations for the next generation? Don't you market yourself as these individuals that have wrote these you know, big theses on in like research papers on these abstract ideas. Why are you discussing trans bathrooms? Why? I mean, that's that's it's so dumb to see. It really is. But um, yeah, I mean, that's just my overall uh, thought on the Jordan Peterson thing. Um, I mean, I, I know people don't like him, and that's fine. I mean, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, you're just going after him for being a motivational speaker. He's Tim Robbins, but for a younger generation. You know, I mean, that's basically what he is. He's he's Gary Vaynerchuk, but without the 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 hustle mentality. He's a person that's a little bit more like, okay, work, 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 but do it for the purpose of family. You know, where Gary Vaynerchuk's like, work, you ought to sell lemonade outside of your garage. It's like, no, I'm not going to sell lemonade outside of my garage. Why would I do that? And it's like... There's no sort of thought. Like, when I hear Gary Vaynerchuk, it's it's just like hustle, hustle, hustle. And, but there's no thought behind it. You know, it's just like work, work, work. And, and it's like, well, I mean, what about having a family? And it's like, it, there's no sort of thought outside of that. With Jordan Peterson, it's like, yeah, you should work. But also focus on strengthening your relationship with your dad. Which I think is a pretty admirable thing, you know. I mean, you know, as we see a departure from the family, when we see a departure from the nuclear family, when we see so much division in this world, to see Jordan Peterson actively support family, and when you see you know people within that mind frame support, you know, the the opinion of of bonding with those that you love and enjoy. I mean, that's that's a language that's universal. That's something that we should all be in support of. That's something that we should all be actively participating and partaking in on a day-to-day basis you know and that's something that that we should all be inspired by you know to see individuals be able to come together despite their background despite their history and to sit across the aisle with their loved ones and and, and actively participate in loving each other I, I think that's 
That's them. And and to see people actively go against that, to see people to to see people go after Jordan Peterson for just being in support of that. Why? What is so wrong with it? I don't know. I mean, I I just just that thought process of of being against that is is just so sad, you know. Jordan Peterson, I, I know people don't like him, but I, I don't, I, I, I fail to see why anybody would dislike him, in in terms of, in terms of what he tries to represent. You know, like you can you can, you know, disagree with him. That's completely fine. But to actively like hate on him, it's like, the man. I don't think you'll realize how much of a god he is, for his own people. Like I've seen people re like like respark their relationship with their family members just because Jordan Peterson just because they saw a Jordan Peterson video. Like if you see him on tour, which I've yet to see him on tour, but if you see him on tour, like there are so many people that like go up to him after their show and say, Wow, your book, Twelve Rules of Twelve Rules of Life, really inspired me to really go back to my family and to talk to them talk to them. And to rekindle that that relationship with them. It's, I mean, how can you possibly hate on him? Like, how? It's fine to disagree with him. I mean, I mean there are times where he'll be like, you got to enter the dragon, you know, you got you to enter the dragon. And he, he sounds like Kermit, and I do a very bad Kermit the Frog voice. I'm not much of a act-out voice, voiceover comedic person. I'm not a voice-heavy comedian, so uh, I have taste. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... You know, obviously there are parts of Jordan Peterson that people do disagree with, and I don't get me wrong. You know, when he gets into more political stuff, it's like okay, like I get it, whatever. But to censor him on your podcast, like Ethan Klein did, bitch move on on Ethan Klein's part. All right, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. Uh, this ne- this next topic uh, makes me uh, wonder as to where I am. You know, because. Uh, I wish I've replaced this topic with a more tennis-heavy topic, but again, it's just the first day of the Australian Open, so there's not really much to discuss and talk about. But uh, Megan Fox and MGK got got engaged. uh, Happened on a Wednesday. Um, Ajay TMZ is in the building. Uh, Page Six is reporting. This 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 topic has been uh, brought to you by Page Six, so go check them out for all your celebrity needs. Uh, Megan Fox uh, put on her Instagram in July of 2020. We sat under the banding tree. We asked for magic. We were oblivious to the pain. And by the way, this is very cringeworthy. So I'm, I'm very, so my apologies in advance, but we were oblivious to the pain we would face together in such a short, frenetic period of time, unaware of the work and sacrifice that the relationship would require from us, but intoxicated off of the love and the karma. Somehow a year ago and a half later, ha- having walked through the hell together, and having laughed more than I ever imagined possible, he asked me to marry him. And just as in every lifetime before this and w- before this one, and as in every lifetime that will follow it, I said yes. And then we drank each other's blood. Uh, so they drank each other's blood after they got engaged, which I don't think really happened. If if anything, I think Megan is just saying that to get people to talk about it because they have a very sort of uh, hot topic, MySpace 2000s kind of relationship, or that's how they sort of placated as or like marketed as you know very sort of uh hot topic spencer's kind of 
mall outlet store kind of vibe you know like i don't know like i feel like the the engagement ring came with with uh with a gift from from hot topic like a my chemical romance dvd or cd you know three cheers for sweet revenge which by the way is a very good album three cheers for sweet for sweet revenge is my favorite my chemical romance album just want to let that out there just want to put that out there but um yeah i mean they got engaged happy for mgk uh i love mgk by the way i think mgk's tickets to my downfall is one of the best pop punk albums of all time i know there are certain uh bald-headed people on youtube with glasses and with a mouthful of teeth that really hate the album which is fine i get it but i like it i happen to like it you have to view it in the same way as you view adam sandler films right just a good fun popcorn kind of entertainment that's what you got to view it as you know just a good experience it's not going to break your psyche it's not going to break your belief on art and it's not going to really challenge your beliefs on anything but it's just a good, fun, conventional album that borrows heavily on the pop-punk theme and the pop-punk uh, stereotypes that, you know, often are within pop-punk, uh, such as, you know, teenage angst and um, who knows, just things within that realm as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's just my that's just what I think about the MGK thing. Uh, you know, just fun thing you know just a fun thing you know uh, i mean megan fox i mean she was cute back in the day i'm not gonna lie she was very cute now she's sort of been like kardashian a little bit where it's like a lot of botox and filler and whatnot but i mean i don't i don't hate on it you know i mean as long as it improves one's appearance who can hate on it i mean honestly if i got rhinoplasty could be pretty good you know I mean, I'm not going to get it, you know, because I'm a comedian and I don't want to be an actor. I mean, acting is dumb and you're basically just a work for hire. But, you know, I mean, I mean it's just kind of cool, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, MGK, you know, th that sort of click of MGK, Pete Davidson. I mean, I saw their Loco video, which is a great song, by the way, great video. Uh, but MGK, Pete Davidson, they're just running through Hollywood like they really are. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. I mean, think about like what they've done together. Like Kate Beckinsale, Margaret Qualley, uh, Kat, I mean Ariana Grande. Um, for MGK, it's uh, Summer Rae, uh, Megan Fox. Now, I mean, so many. It's crazy to see uh, Halsey. You know, I mean, to see like what they've done together. I think that triumphs anything that they've done outside of it, honestly. Like, like immense inspiration for the two of them. Like, you're Kim K. I mean, so many. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, I'm happy. I, mean, I don't know if they're going to last. Who knows? I mean, uh, it's a celeb relationship. I mean, when you have two individuals that are very sort of focused and driven on success, it's difficult to make that relationship last. But who knows they, they could do it you know i mean i mean there are a lot of celeb marriages that don't really look that enjoyable i mean will and jada i mean i god knows what they're going through i mean covid really i mean the lockdowns really did a toll on that marriage i mean i mean i do not know why 
they have to put every little detail of their personal life out there. I really don't know why they would do that, but it is what it is with uh, the with that marriage. I mean, Beyonce, Jay Z. I mean, didn't Jay cheat on Beyonce? Why would he do that? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, celeb relationships are really hard to sort of succeed because, again, you're dealing with two not only like success-driven people, but like attention-driven individuals. And when you have two in people that are in the same industry that want more attention than the other in a relationship, it's bound to fail. It really is. I mean, there's a reason why not many comedians uh, are in successful relationships. I mean, obviously there are a few. Uh, not anyone that comes to mind, but maybe like Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. But other than that, I mean, it's difficult to see both people in a relationship, see the other one succeed and be happy for that because, you know, comedians, artists, people, actors, whatever it is in the entertainment world, you know, they're very driven by not only success within their field, but also success with the attention that they get. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. Who knows? I mean, I'm excited for Born, Born With Horns, which is MGK's uh, new album that's going to come out. And I think he was at Travis Barker studio uh, just a week ago or so. So I'm excited to see that. Hopefully this can inspire new music. I know people like certain bald head dudes with a mouthful of teeth and glasses with flannels. Uh, hated paper cuts. I loved paper cuts. I know it's. I know it's going to get trashed by the critics. I, I said that in my weekly pick, but still a fun, fun song. Regardless, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's very. If you liked "Where's My Mind" by uh, the Pixies, you may enjoy that song. Uh, so yeah, that's just my uh, overall uh, opinion on the whole sort of Megan Fox and GK engagement. I don't know why I discussed this on this podcast. I, I really I really wish I replaced it with another tennis topic. But uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of prepped for this a while ago. So I'm like, okay, might as well discuss this instead. But anyways, uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for... Oh, no. I still have to do my weekly pick. Sorry. Why did I do that? I'm, I'm, I'm out of sorts for today's episode. Uh, so this week... Uh, each week I recommend a book, a piece of art, a film that I really enjoy that I think you guys will enjoy as well. Uh, this week I'll be recommending Bob Saget's Dirty Work. Uh, so obviously, as we all know, Bob Saget passed away last Sunday, uh, in his hotel room in Orlando. Very sad news. And, you know, obviously like people like give their support for Bob Saget. Uh, you know, I saw the videos online and it's very sad. Uh, but I sort of wanted to watch something of his work because, um, you know, I, I just thought that would be, like, the best way to remember him instead of just, like, you know, obviously, you know, obviously people are sad, but I think, you know, the best way is just to remember their work, remember what they did, and, uh, you know, this week I will be recommending Bob Saget's Dirty Work, and if you guys haven't watched Dirty Work, I recommend you guys do, because it's a great film, a very funny film. It stars two brothers in a revenge, uh, who want to star, who want to start a revenge for hire business, and hijinks ensues, and a bunch of things happen and they all they do this because they want to pay back for their father's uh heart surgery that they had to pay back to a doctor who also the doctor also happens to be a person that gambles a lot and he's in debt with the bookies and if they give the doctor fifty thousand dollars to pay back the bookies then the doctor can perform heart surgery uh, on their dad 
and it stars Norm Macdonald, Artie Lang, Don Rickles is in it. He plays like the movie theater manager. Uh, it's a great funny film. I really love it. It's uh, there. Obviously, it got trashed by the critics, you know, because there are problems with the plot and whatnot. I mean, uh, when I saw the the love interest of Norm Macdonald end up with Norm Macdonald at the end, I'm like, how does this make any sense? You know, he, I mean, why, why would this make any sense? Uh, he burned down the building basically to help out, you know, uh, the, uh, to help out this like sort of real estate developer manager. Uh, and yeah, so I didn't get that part of it. Uh, but it is hilarious. I mean, when, when you see at the end of the, uh, at the end of the film where Norm Macdonald's in his car and he's like, yeah, that bookie, the doctor that helped out that helped out my father with the heart surgery. Well, he's dead. Anyways, that's it. Goodbye. And that's the that's the ending of the film. Like that which shows not only the brilliance of Norm Macdonald, uh, but also the brilliance of Bob Saget to really end it anticlimactically. And you would think that, you know, with those kind of films, like those kind of nineties comedy films, it would end in this like sort of tearful, sort of Adam Sandler esque way where it's like this big sort of lesson at the end. But no, it just ended like that and that showed that Bob Saget really wanted to and I know this sounds cringy to say but Bob Saget really wanted to subvert people's expectations at the end so I really enjoyed this film I really found it found it funny there are times where I audibly audibly lolled uh I remember seeing uh you know that meme where it's just like that one guy just like falling right into the trash can and just falling inside that like that meme that came from this film you know, and that was like a recurring gag within within this film, where it's just Norm Macdonald just finding ways to fall flat on his face, and every time he did, I'm like, that's like, I'm not big into physical comedy, but when Norm Macdonald does it, I just love it, you know, because he is one of my favorite comedians of all time. So, Bob Saget's Dirty Work, go check it out. It's fun. It's it's a popcorn flick. So if you guys enjoy comedies, you'll enjoy this film. So Bob Saget's Dirty Work, that's my movie pick. Anyways. That's all the time I have. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you uh, subscribe to both my podcast channel and my podcast clip channel. Uh, make sure you click the bell. Uh, make sure you spread the word on WhatsApp as well if you're on WhatsApp. And you rate and review not only on iTunes but also on Spotify as well because apparently Spotify allows you to uh, rate and review your favorite podcast as well. So, guys. That's all the time I have. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be on my Thursday's podcast talking about the Australian Open, talking about the recent matches, and what to expect for the next week or so while we're still in Melbourne. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.